all. But right now, I'm joined by Ned Field from the United uh, the US Geology. Geological Survey, sorry, and Professor Mark Sterling from the Department of Geology here at Otago University. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Good it's great morning. to be here. How are we today? Good. Yes, yeah, nice Good. sunny Dunedin day. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you've come at the right time of the year because uh, we, we usually have about a three, four week window now in Dunedin where it's nice and sunny for the rest yeah, of the summer. Well, it's pretty raining. Glad you've made the good days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're. Um, here at Otago to give a talk about um, predicting earthquakes uh, in California. That's where you work, that's where you work on uh, modelling and, and the like. Um, so, and I, I guess you're here, we talked a little bit earlier off here, um, you've come up with uh, new innovations and new models um, that you're releasing today, research papers yeah, and right. whatnot. So, I, I guess you're here uh, basically just talk about those things. Yeah, exactly, to basically share what we've learned. Um, we don't call it prediction because we can't identify the exact time and place. Sorry, forecasting. No, it's okay. It's yeah. um, uh, We call it forecasting because it's more like, you know, the weather a week from now is what yeah. we're trying to do. Give a probability of bad things happening related to earthquakes. And there's, there's basically... All models are an approximation of the system. They're ultimately wrong. Um, we're constantly trying to improve them to be more informative with respect to saving lives. Mm-hmm. And the two big innovations we've been dealing with in recent years, together with Mark and his colleagues, are including multi-fault ruptures, where earthquake can start on one fault and jump mm-hmm. to another, and also the fact that earthquakes tend to cluster in time and space, as you've seen here in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So we've always known that there are aftershocks and there's always what we've learned more recently is there's about a 10% chance at any time you have an earthquake of any size about a 10% chance that you'll trigger something larger than that that's like flipping a coin three or four times and getting heads yeah on yeah, all of them yeah and so that's sort of the standard statistic one thing we've been trying to improve in California um, our experts get on the phone when a little earthquake occurs near the San Andreas that's our southern alpine fault yeah because they think that an earthquake a magnitude 5 say is more likely to trigger something big if it's near a fault and that's something previous models of of aftershock forecasting have left out and so that's one of the things we've tried to do is basically account for the fact that if a little earthquake occurs near something big or or a big fault it's more likely to trigger a larger earthquake Mm -hmm. so on the wellington fault or the so that that was a, a tough nut to crack for us, but we think we've come up with a scientifically credible uh, representation of how that works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other thing is um, multi-fault ruptures, and that's we used to uh, basically assume, or we thought our faults were relatively isolated and separated, yeah. so that when they had an earthquake, the earthquake was kind of confined to that fault. And two things is we've filled out our fault model, thanks to geologists like Mark here, more and more faults we've realized we're dealing with an interconnected fault system yeah. rather than these separated faults. So it's like a tree with branches yeah. reaching out. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, we've seen earthquakes where ruptures start in one fault and jump to another. For you know, over the past 15 years, we've seen more and more of these things. And the Kaikoura earthquake is now the record holder for the most number of faults ruptured by well, there individual were faults earthquake. up near Gisborne or Hawke's Bay or something like that, that that were going off not long afterwards, and there was some thought that, that maybe they were connected. 
Yeah, yeah, there was, well, that sort of deep faults, and they were called slow slip events, mm. and those are where um, the big plate between the Pacific plate and the Australian plate that goes underneath the eastern North Island, there were parts of that, with the big patches of that that started creeping mm-hmm. after the earthquake, so there was some, um, you know, concern there for a while. But um, what Ned's mainly talking about is that in the Kaikoura earthquake itself in the South Island, 13 separate faults ruptured and some of them ruptured their full lengths and some of them ruptured part of their lengths and some were brand new faults that we didn't know about beforehand but it did this very odd back and forward jump onshore offshore and all the way from from um what township of wire right up to cape campbell Wow, that's a yeah. that's a big distance. Yeah, now, 100, 180 kilometres. Now, I mean, we as um, normal human beings that aren't geologists, um, we hear about faults all the time. But you know, I don't think anyone really explains, in layman terms, what a fault actually is. What is a fault? Fault is a big crack in the earth that accommodates the tectonic squeezing that goes on in the region. You squeeze a rock and it's going to break along some surface. Mm -hmm. Faults are basically Earth's way of releasing that tectonic stress. Yeah, so I mean, most faults, are are these faults connected with the, um, you know, the Alpine Fault uh, and and the, um, you know, and the Indo um, and the Pacific Plate? Are, mm. they, are they basically coming off that? Yeah, that? well, the, the Pacific and the Australian plate, the plate boundary is not a single line yeah. or a single plane. It's actually a network of faults that, that is like one to 200 kilometres wide. And so the Alpine Fault is probably the most um, simple of the part of the plate boundary because it's, it's, it's accommodating 90% of that movement. But as you go north to about Hokitika, it branches into about five... To separate faults mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so the plate boundary then is quite broad Yeah, and yeah. it's that area, the eastern side of that area that the Kaikoura earthquakes happened So, but yeah, the, the, each of these faults are, as Ned say, says they're a crack, it's a crack that goes down the, the thickness of, of what we call the brittle crust or, or um, in seismology terms the seismogenic zone and that's usually about 15 to 20 kilometres or 12 to 20 kilometres depending on the sort of environment you're in mm-hmm. so you can think of this brittle crack that is you're getting strain accumulating against it like yeah. kind of like a rubber band or, or a piece of you know pushing a piece of sandpaper and eventually it breaks mm-hmm. when those forces overcome the um, friction yeah. that's on the fault and that release of energy and that movement of meters in seconds is the energy that produces an earthquake. Do, do, do those build, does the build up of stress release um, anything? Is it, you know, um, what a, rad, I heard radon is, is something that can be released um, through through the stresses. I think is, is it radon or, or, or um, some certain gases mm-hmm. uh, and other things? Do they help in um, forecasting? Are, are, are there signs? Not really. We haven't found any sort of diagnostic precursor like the release of radon that reliably tells us um, there's just too many false alarms. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, the silver bullet approach to predicting earthquakes <laughs> has not panned out. But you know, what's really most important is over the lifetime of a structure. Um, that it does not collapse mm-hmm. or kill people. And our forecast models are appropriate for those kinds of time frames, 50-year. Yeah. Mm. Um, do, do things like what happened in 2009 in Italy worry you when it comes to 
um, forecasting? We saw scientists go to prison. You know, uh, good question. Uh, you know, <laughs> for me, I'm a federal employee in the United States, yeah. and I cannot be sued or uh, put in jail for doing my job. So yeah. we are protected from that kind of litigation, fortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what about you? I mean. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I came from um, GNS Science. Yeah. I was there for a very long time in my last job, and I was leading the national seismic, ha- the national earthquake hazard model for New Zealand, like Ned's doing for California. And when the Canterbury earthquakes happened, that was in an area of not well, moderate to low hazard. Yeah, that we had relatively low hazard there, and I did think, my gosh, if um, I hope um, the the Italian. Um, situation doesn't happen in New Zealand but the Italian situation there was a lot, I mean without going into details, there was a lot wrong with the way the information was given to the public and Mm -hmm. people who shouldn't have been advising the public were advising the public yeah. And gave them yeah. misleading, misleading advice. You know, the yeah. quote go, that led to some deaths. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, go home and drink your wine. There is no worries. You know that sort of thing. Um, we had as soon as the um, the the dead, un- really deadly Christchurch earthquake happened, there was a state of emergency um, created, and there was there was a, de- a government department created, and there were key people and key positions established and. The lines of communication had to be through those people. And for our field, it was Kelvin Berryman, who's one of New Zealand's top earthquake scientists. Yeah, yeah. So so uh that avoided that that miscommunication that resulted in that mess Mm -hmm. for the Lagala earthquake. And I'll just point out that New Zealand leads the world in terms of dealing with earthquake information in a real-time setting. Yeah. We haven't had to deal with it in California yet because the modern era where we understand these things like triggered earthquakes, yeah, um, we haven't dealt with a sequence unfolding. New Zealand um, <laughs> kind of had a gun put, its, put to its head yeah, yeah. and said, deal with this now. And these guys yeah. have done an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. And we're in part down here trying to learn what we can from those experiences. Yeah, because of course, you, I mean, when was the last really big one? Uh, maybe in the 90s in San Fran? Yeah, it depends what you mean by really big one, but uh, the, we, the ones that were damaging were the Loma Prieta in 1989 up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and then Northridge in 94. 94, yeah, yeah that's what I'm... 6.7 got a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. We have had big earthquakes since then, but fortunately they were out in the yeah. desert. Yeah, where this guy likes to hang out because <laughs> when he's in the states. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I mean, I like to hang out there with him. Yeah, buddy. yeah, yeah, he's yeah, my yeah. good buddy. <laughs> I mean, you must, you, you guys must love this stuff, right? I mean, oh this, yeah, this, yeah, mm, yeah, it's a great job. It's fascinating yeah. to you. Hey, look where I am right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you, people always say we're in Dunedin. It's safe. You know, we've had relatively. You know, I, I remember an earthquake uh, when I was a child in the nineties, and I remember it being maybe. Four and point five or five, and it was a bit mm. rolly. Yeah, but um, they say that we're pretty relatively safe here. But then they could have mm. said the same thing about Canterbury, right? About yeah, it, it is kind of in the same situation as Canterbury, where you've got you you do have fault lines around here. There's thirteen fault lines, major fault lines that um, are within a hundred kilometres of Dunedin, but their activity rates are snail's pace compared with up north. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, well, there's been a fault line that I've been working on in the last year with a master's student. Um, It's happened to have had two earthquakes in the last 1,300 years, uh, which is unusual. Big, you know, ground earthquakes that have caused, you know, big 
what we call scarps in the ground surface when mm-hmm. the fault comes to the surface. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but probably prior to that, it hasn't been active for a, over a hundred thousand years, and that you know. So these faults are generally they they have pulses of activity, but then they could be quiet for tens of thousands of years. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so you know we we sort of um, you know there, there's the that low possibility, low probability that you could get a, a Christchurch-type earthquake around here, but, um, you know, it's it's low activity. Yeah. yeah. Well, how, can you differentiate between a swarm of little faults triggering little faults uh, and, um, you know, little faults putting, being caused by major stress of major faults? Can, can you differentiate between those things? Not really. We, uh... You know, we, our models of earthquake triggering are relatively simple, and in fact, they the some of the most sophisticated ones come from epidemiology, where everything can, every uh, you know, every person who gets a cold can infect other. The butterfly effect. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, the butterfly effect is a little different. That's how a small change here can lead to a big change far away. Yeah. 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 But. Um, yeah, so uh, we're trying to refine our, our ability to uh, forecast which faults are most likely to be triggered compared to others. Yeah, just but, young you know, science. we're just, it's a, it's a tough problem to solve because we don't really have access to what's going on deep in the earth where yeah. these processes are taking place. Yeah. Can you get the kind of access you want? Are there ways of, and tools, like can you uh, drill and put down... Um, you know, tools, equipment down uh, into that area of, you know, 12Ks to 20Ks that can keep an eye on things? Yeah, there have been a few efforts um, to drill deep holes and to put instruments down there and sample the materials in a fault. But even those have only gone down to about three kilometers, um, which might not be exactly the same as what's going on at 10 to 15 kilometers, mm-hmm. where most of the big one, where most of the action is. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we try, we do what we can. Um, yeah, the, you know, our, we have limited resources. The and now with Trump, I hear that they're going to be more limited. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, wonder, I, I was wondering if I was going to cut you. our budget. Yeah, so oh, we'll see. No. I assume so. Well, you need more warships. Yeah, because that's the that's the real danger. Eh? Oops, I'm a federal employee. I should probably shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the closest he may be listening. He'll yeah, tweet yeah. about me in ten yeah. minutes. Well, surely you've got a you know one of those Twitter accounts where you know it's just like a pool of you, but no one knows who it is. <laughs> right, yeah, things out like yeah, other anonymous. Uh, yeah, other uh, US uh, science departments <laughs> right. have done. It's yeah. great. The parks department's yeah, got exactly. a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess we all worry about the big one. Um, we, we Here in New Zealand, it's the Alpine, of course, in, in California, San Andreas. And if they go, it can be, it could be quite devastating. It could um, be. You know, isn't it, I think the, here, the East Coast is riding over top of the, the West Coast. Is that how the one, Alpine? Um, yes, on a steep angle. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the dominant motion is that horizontal motion where yep. the the um, west coast is going north compared with the the um, southern Alps yeah 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 and so um, that's the dominant motion and that goes uh, the average movements about as fast as your fingernail grows mm-hmm. and then but there is an uplift motion that produces the southern Alps but w- what are the likelihoods of a big um, kind of stress event before a plate slip before a slip 
a plate slipper or a big movement. Uh, is there going to be something in the weeks that you think there could be something big in the weeks leading up that will be an absolute predictor of we don't see a anything yet. Going, though, mm. you know, a major and by the going. way, you know, we were talking about these multi-fault earthquakes. I should say that those sound scary because it basically means there's bigger earthquakes in the system than we previously acknowledged. That sounds like it's bad news. Not necessarily. It actually helped us solve another mystery in that we seem to be over-predicting the rate of moderate earthquakes about magnitude 6.7. <laughs> and because you have a finite... <laughs> I mean, it's mo- I know it's moderate on, on a big scale. Yeah, well, yeah, compared to eight, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. A, a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not quite a thousand. Uh, yeah. 500 or something. But anyway, um, it sounds like these big earthquakes should be scary, but it actually, if you put big earthquakes in the system, because you have a finite plate tectonic budget of motion you're dealing with, you actually reduce the rates mm. of the moderate size ones. So we improve the model overall. It really comes down to would you rather have um, a dozen magnitude sevens every 100 year, or would you rather have an eight one eight every say thousand years mm-hmm. and um it turns out if you're a, a house someone's average house they live in you'd rather have an eight yeah every mm. year yeah because you don't want to deal with all those rapid shakings um if you're a tall building or a, a big bridge that wobbles at long periods you don't want the eight the eight yeah. is going to be your problem yeah. so mm-hmm. it, it, the hazard implications of what we found really depend on what you're worried about that's like the frequency of the wave right and exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we've seen that yeah. on bridges that have collapsed before yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah 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 little earthquakes can't generate those big waves yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and, and i guess that's the devastation but is you know we, we saw the two different the two different big earthquakes in christchurch one was a rolling motion and the other one mm. was a short sharp shock and yes. that was the one that was the most devastating yeah. wasn't it even yeah. though that might have been the small it was the smaller it of the was two. the smaller of the two yeah it was that yeah, it was just, that, yeah, yeah. That, that was the Christchurch earthquake it was that um, was the 6.2 magnitude mm-hmm. so a lot smaller smaller than the 7.1 main shock but it was all it was a direct hit under Christchurch and mm. so that and that's earthquake produced very high frequency motion that was was very damaging yeah. and deadly unfortunately. Yeah. Whereas the old the other one being seven point one, a lot more of that long period and further away. And yeah. further away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course but it was just the anniversary you would have been in New Zealand for the anniversary mm-hmm. you, of the twenty uh, February twenty second? Yeah. It happened, uh, it happened last week. Yeah. I guess yeah. 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 Um all right, so I mean this is a young science, right? You've uh, you I mean you've got these new you new models and these new innovations now which are probably redundant in five years. <laughs> well, could yeah. be, mm. you, oh, hopefully they'll be, you know, <laughs> put out to pasture. Do you have mm. that? Yeah, 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 we do. <laughs> we we want to uh, move on and make progress. So yeah. we're just uh Improving them all the time, making yeah. a more and more accurate representation of reality. Yeah, and it's fantastic because you're doing this to save lives, and and, and, yeah. and, and that's wonderful. And uh, and um, and I guess it's it's that thing you know you see uh, paramedics and police they're out there all the time but you guys are behind the scenes trying to save yeah. us all so it's wonderful so thank we're you we're the nerdy that. scientists in <laughs> our lab coats <laughs> it's, it's great it's great well um, thank you so much for both of you for uh, coming in this morning mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure uh, and of course uh, you're giving your talk today Ned um, yeah. uh, forecasting earthquakes in California and implications for New Zealand in brackets um, 
at the Benson Common Room in the Geology Building at 360 Leith Street, 1pm through to 2pm. It's open to the public so anyone can go along and um, hear more about these uh, new innovations and the new papers that were published just today. Yep. Today our time? That's right. Well, yep. no, actually, uh, today uh, would, I guess, be kind of tomorrow for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're a day ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. We're always ahead of the curve here in New Zealand, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, once again, uh, Mark and Ned, thank you both for coming in this morning. Uh, have a wonderful day. Enjoy the weather. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll see you at 1 o'clock at the Benson Common Room. It is now 10 to the hour of 10 here on Radio 1. That means we've got 10 minutes left.